It's been great. Last week with Jack Levinson was so encouraging, right? Which mountain are you going to live on? Are you going to live in Mount Carmel where you are fearless? Uh, or are we going to hide in the cave in Mount Sinai, kind of just missing out on what God wants for our life? That was a challenge to me last week. And then the first week we talked about keeping our eyes on Jesus in the storms, how Peter, when his eyes were on Jesus, he could walk on that water. And uh, when his eyes got off of Jesus, he started to sink. And the truth is, that's the real role of the Spirit in our life, is to keep our eyes on King Jesus. Amen? Amen. Yeah, that's a full-time job. We keep the Holy Spirit pretty busy. I know I do, (laughs) because my eyes always seem to be drifted off of King Jesus. And I'm so thankful that the Spirit is in us to keep our eyes on King Jesus. I want to ask you a question um, this, this morning. Have you ever made a bad investment? Have you ever just like looked back and thought, man, that didn't work out well? <laughs> I've made a few in my life. I remember um, this time that I was convinced um, that there was this new tire, tire company that was um, producing this like ty- uh, tire that didn't need air and it was going to revolutionize the uh, auto industry and that I was getting in on the ground floor, right? Of course, I didn't talk to Michelle about this, right? So I'm buying stock in this. But the only thing that was revolutionary was how quickly that stock just went to nothing. I was like, well, <laughs> yeah, it was marriage counseling and all the rest of that after that. But and then, and then this was even worse. I had a friend who told me, Brad, I was in Lowe's the other day. So good start. every good story starts this way. And I met this guy. He's an old man. He's been mining in the hills for like decades. He inherited his family's homestead or something. And he's like, Brad, he's on the gold. He is. Like, <laughs> so my friend convinced me to give him money because this old miner was just like, inches away from the Comstock load. It didn't happen. So anyway, the truth is um, we all are investors. Now, you're not, you might not realize that, but the fact of the matter is every one of us are investing. We're investing every day. We're investing in a spiritual life that's either flourishing or investing in the realm of the flesh that's killing us. We're investors. And that's what today is really going to be about. It's going to be about how do we make sure we're making good investments. The biblical term is sowing and reaping. We don't really talk too much about that because we live in the desert. And I don't know the last time you tried to plant a garden here. It doesn't work. But we do understand the concept of investment. At least a lot of us do. And I want to talk about that today. Why do we fall for these bad investments, right? Why do we make these decisions? I think it's a lot of times it's because we really don't look at the, the potential of this not going the right way, right? We almost get locked in tunnel vision and we think, oh, even against my better judgment or my wife's better judgment, I'm gonna make this decision. And a lot of times it just doesn't pay off. And so I wanna talk about that today. But before I do, I wanna take us to the last episode or one of the last episodes in the life of Jesus with his disciples. Because everything we're gonna talk about today is predicated on this beautiful moment at the very end of the book of John. And I want to look at this because this is, the, this is those, you know, these are these things that were just branded onto the minds and hearts of the disciples for decades later. So this is, this is in a, an upper room with Jesus and his disciples. He's already been crucified. He's already risen from the dead. And he appears to his disciples in John 20. And I want to show you this before we move into our main theme. He says this, as he spoke, 
He showed them the wounds in his hands and on his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And he said again, peace be unto you. As the father sent me, so I'm sending you. This is what you could call John's great commission, right? It's a little different than Matthew's version. If you don't know what that is, it's fine. But these are the last, some of the last words that Jesus says to his disciples. He's essentially saying, I'm commissioning you. I'm gonna send you guys out. But in John, we get something really special and it's related to today. Look what he says. Look at the next thing he says. Then he breathed on or into them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. This is a beautiful picture of Jesus's final moments with his disciples. It's almost as if he's grabbing them by the shoulders and he's, he's just gonna breathe life into them. This is so, if you know the biblical story, this is so many echoes of other places in the Bible. This, this reminds us of the breath of God into Adam when he formed Adam out of the dirt of the ground. This also reminds us of when Jesus was baptized by the Holy Spirit at his baptism. The Spirit just descended like a dove onto Jesus and filled him. And now Jesus is breathing his Spirit, that same Spirit, into us, into the disciples. We are the spiritual inheritors. We are downline the generation of these disciples. And so guys, I want us to, as we get into today's message, I want you to be reminded of something. The breath that is in your lungs, the spirit that is in us came directly from Jesus. He breathed into us, his Holy Spirit. Is that awesome or what? Guys, we take that for granted. I do. I take that for granted. And I think the next time that we're in this battle, I want to just be reminded, I have his breath in my lungs. Bro, if I have Jesus's breath in my lungs, I think we can have the victory here, okay? Like, let's, let's, let's get armed and, and strengthened in that today. We're going to be in the book of Romans um, today, and we're going to be in primarily chapter 8. And uh, on the way to chapter 8, I want to stop at chapter 5 for a second, and I want to show you a powerful verse and then we're going to get into our main, our main teaching. In, John, in Romans chapter 5, Paul writes these words. This is the Apostle Paul, the early church leader and planter of churches around Medi uh, the, the Mediterranean area. And he writes these words. This hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. And so I wanted to connect that with the passage in John, because I think you see echoes here of Jesus breathing into the disciples. And then John and Paul, when he writes about that, he says, guys, I want you to be re re reminded here that the Holy Spirit has filled our hearts with his love. So I want you to picture that as we get started this morning, I want you to picture that you have been almost inflated like a balloon by the spirit, by the breath of Jesus. And I want us to picture that. It's going to be important for a little bit later that he is inside of you. Guys, Jesus indwells you. If you've given your heart to Jesus, if you've said, God, I surrender, I give Jesus my allegiance, he's king. I'm telling you, he has placed his Holy Spirit inside of you and it fills your heart with love. We're going to talk about good investments today. All right, you guys ready? Let's go to Romans chapter eight. If you don't have your Bible, it'll be on the screen, but I want you to see this in Romans chapter eight. We're going to look at verse two as we start. 
And you'll start to see this contrast that's all through the book of Romans uh, or chapter eight of Romans here. It says this, it says, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So Paul is trying to break this down for, for the recipients of this letter. This is a church at Rome. These are believers and, and Paul is trying to explain to them what's happened when they became followers of Jesus. And he describes these two powers. We're gonna look at this all through this chapter, these two powers that exist, the power of the life-giving spirit and the power of sin. And he says, listen, you have been set free because you have Jesus' own spirit inside of you. You have been set free from the power of sin. Now, some of you are sitting there and you might be scratching your head and you're thinking, wait a second, I'm not free from the power of sin. I sin quite frequently. Darn it, you know, that's kind of where we live. And we're gonna talk about that today, okay? Uh, I wanna address that head on today because I realize that's our reality. That's my reality. But we're gonna look at how to have victory over this. And I wanna ask you a question. Does God really change you and me? Does God really change people? Can God really truly transform someone? I mean, these are big questions. Yeah, we say that, right? But how are you doing in that, right? That's the thing. Because the truth of the matter is, sometimes that transformation seems like it's taken a while, right? Or your spouse says, yes, it is, right? <laughs> okay. Guys, I want to say this at the outset. There is power in Jesus. The Holy Spirit can transform you and me. So if, the, so if we got a problem with this transformation, it's not on his side of the equation. It's on my side, right? And that's what I want to look at today. The power is available to us. He is inside of us. He indwells us. So let's dive in Romans chapter five. Let's go uh, a couple of verses ahead in our text. And we'll look again at this dichotomy, this, this split between the power of sin and the power of the flesh, or I'm sorry, the power of the spirit. We're gonna see this. He uses slightly different language, but it's the same, same idea. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds. I wanna under, understand that we're talking about a part of us called our minds that's set on what the flesh desires. I'm gonna break this down in a minute, but let's just read. But those who, are, who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. And here's this, these two kind of warring powers again that are, that are at work. And, and now instead of the power of the, of the spirit and the power of, the, of sin, he calls it the power or the, the flesh and the spirit. So he has that as the contrast. In verse six, it says, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's love, nor can it. And then he kind of really helps us understand this because up to this point, you're trying to understand these words like the word flesh and mind. And, you, and maybe these are words that aren't super familiar. And it's easy to kind of misunderstand what he's saying. But let's look at the next verse and then I'll try to, clean it up a bit for us. It says in verse eight, for those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. I want you to think about that. So we have these two realms that are fighting 
these two realms that we, that we can live inside of. And I have a diagram for us because I'm a visual guy and I want, I want to really help you today. So this is going to be a little bit of work today, a little bit of classwork, but I think it'll pay off in a big way and hopefully a Holy Spirit moment for you. So here are the two realms. Look at my diagram up there on the screen. We have the realm of the flesh and the realm of the spirit. And these are the realms that every human are, are gonna, is going to interact with. But only believers have been introduced to the realm of the spirit. Let's continue in Romans. It goes on, it says, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. And so there's this division and I wanna kind of map this out. I wanna diagram this. So if you are not someone who belongs to Christ, if you've never received Jesus, you've never been born again, then this is kind of what your diagram looks like. This is your spiritual diagram. Here's what it looks like. It looks like someone, hit that next one for me. So we have the realm of the flesh, and we have this, the mind, the, the body, the human self. And that human self, that person that you would identify, this is who I am. This is my mind, my, my body. This is me. I'm living in this realm of the, of the flesh. Hit the next one. So this is what I look like spiritually. I look like a joined person that's living in the realm of the, of the, of the flesh. And this is really important because the fact of the matter is, friends, is our, the flesh, and, and this is what I want to make sure we, we're clear here, is not just your physical body. That's not what the term means in this passage. It's more of a power. In fact, some translations translate it uh, sinful nature. It's this power, or, or Paul says in chapter 8, verse 2, right, the power of sin. So there's, it's a powerful thing that we, are, that we exist in. And if you're not a believer, that's where you've grown up. Your whole life has developed and grown. Your mind and your, and your heart and your body has been just conditioned under the, underneath that power of sin that Paul calls the flesh. Are you guys all clear on this? But when you meet Jesus, come on, man, that's exciting. When you meet Jesus, he liberates you from the power of the flesh. Look at the next part of the verse, verse 8, or verse 11 in Romans 8. It says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, man, that's awesome, right? You, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body because of his, because his spirit lives in you. And he wraps up this part of the chapter with this powerful thought. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the power of the flesh anymore. We, do, we have an obligation. So he's talking about this power that we used to be obligated to. Before you met Jesus, you lived underneath the power of, the, of sin or, or the flesh, and you were obligated. You were kind of enslaved to it. You had no freedom. But when you met Jesus, we talk about this all the time. We sing about this in our church, right? That Jesus has set us free from the power of sin and the flesh. And now we're obligated, but we're not obligated to that old power anymore. We're obligated to a new freeing power that's been introduced. And so now I want to kind of give you a couple more diagrams here. It's a, like I said, a classroom here. So here it is again, the two realms. But now I'm going to diagram what it looks like if you really know Jesus. And I hope this really helps you today. So hit that next slide for me. And here it is. So this is now my body and my mind. I've been taken out of the realm of the flesh. I've been brought into the realm of the spirit, but I want to know, notice how we've diagrammed that today. 
because this will be powerful for your Christian walk if you really understand this. Because you now have this option that you didn't have before. And the new option is to make a better investment. Okay, are you with me? You used to only invest in the realm of the flesh. And as a result of that investment, the things you were reaping back were always more and more death and more and more decay. But now because of Jesus and the breath of the spirit that he's given to you, you now are able, if you choose to, to now make a better investment a better deposit, come on somebody, in the bank of heaven, come on, where that investment is gonna be an eternal reward in heaven laid up for you. You and I now can make those investments in, that, in, this, in the realm of the spirit. And instead of receiving death and more you know, addiction and more slavery to sin that leads to shame, right now we can start to sow to the spirit. We can invest in the spirit. And now we're reaping love and joy and peace instead of anger, right? Instead of all the things that maybe have dominated our life in the past, it's just not there anymore. There's just this, this fruit of joy that we feast on because the spirit is producing new fruit in our life. What are you investing in church? Where's your investment at this morning? I want us to think about that. Look what he goes on to say in chapter 8, 13. He says, so if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. Now I got one last final diagram for you. And I, I really hope this would, it helped me. When I diagrammed it, like this is really important. And, and he talks about the misdeeds of the body in that verse. And that's coming from this part of you right here. So there's this part of you that exists in still in the realm of the flesh. And, and as a believer, you're going to have this part of you until one day, either Jesus returns or you meet Jesus in death. Your mortal body, this body of death will, that, that's connected to the flesh, it will die but it won't stay that way, right? Come on, somebody, right? Out of the grave, it will be sown in weakness and it'll be raised in power. This is coming from 1 Corinthians 15. What, what dies in the grave will be raised incorruptible and forever and never again with this weight of the realm of the flesh hanging around its neck. That's what's gonna happen to us, ch children of God in here, come on. But right now in this current life, we have this part of us that's still active because we kind of live in these two worlds. And this part of you, it still messes with you, okay? That's why sometimes you might think, man, where did that thought come from? Man, I was, I was trying to like follow Jesus and all of a sudden, man, I get this terrible thought. Maybe it's a, a thought of lust or a thought of greed or you're just that anger is right there again. And you're like, man, and I want to, I want to map this for you, friend. It's coming from this part of your in, inside existence. It's part of that, the misdeeds of your body. It's part of that mind that's still in the realm of the flesh. And that's the part of you that you need to put to death. Because sometimes weeds start to grow in this part of us. The other day, I uh, I was at a garage sale, and and uh, um you know you never know what you you know what what are you looking for? Somebody asked me that. I was like, I have no idea what I'm looking for. I don't know if you go to garage sales looking for anything, right? You just I'm just going, right? Well, when you see it though, you know that's what you're supposed to buy. Are you guys understanding that, right? 
<laughs> so the other day I'm at a garage sale and there's a um, propane tank with a flamethrower hooked up to it. And I'm like, yes, that is why, that is why I went garage selling. <laughs> Michelle's like, why do you need that? I go, honey, the multiple uses of this are just, they're, they're infinite. I mean, I can burn, I can, I can melt PVC pipe. I don't even need to go to Lowe's anymore. I can just burn stuff. And, and then I can kill the weeds with this. Amen, men in the room, right? Right? <laughs> in fact, I will kill the neighbor's weeds with this. <laughs> Because when I get the flamethrower going, like, we're going to have fun with this. So I want you to think about this, right? The Holy Spirit's a fire. Is that right, guys? Guys, I want you to think about the flamethrower of the Spirit burning the weeds that are starting to grow in this part of your life. Those weeds start to grow. Those thoughts start to, start to you know, incubate and germinate or whatever they do. And they start to come out. And it's like, Lord, right now in the power of the Spirit, the flamethrower of the fire of heaven, I want to burn that out of me because that's not who I am. Can I tell you something? There are times that you feel a lot of shame or I feel a lot of shame because of what comes out of this part of me. And at that moment, I'm embarrassed to talk to God because something came out of this part of me that I don't like. But can I tell you something? He's not embarrassed of you. Guys, he knows that's not who you're ultimately going to be. He knows this part of you is the part that's dying anyway. And yeah, it starts to shoot some stuff out of this nasty part. And it reminds you of who you would have been without Jesus. But let me tell you, that's not how Jesus sees you because you've been adopted into his family. You've been purchased by his blood. You've been redeemed by his spirit. Man, he's got a new future and a new hope for you. And that doesn't belong to that new future. And so when that starts to rise up, rather than being too embarrassed, to bring that to God. I want to, Chris said this this morning in our, our pre-prayer time. He says, take those things right to heaven and in the power of the spirit say, God, I just, I'm just not going to try to hide this. I don't like this thought. I don't like this way I was feeling. I don't like that action that I did. And I want you to take the flamethrower of heaven, man. And I want you to burn that out of me, Lord. Cause that doesn't belong to me anymore. Cause that's not who I am in Christ. Amen, church. That's the power of the spirit. Look what it says in Galatians 5. He says this, so I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Does this make a little more sense now? It's that same realm thing. He says this in the next verse. He says, for the, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh, they are in conflict with each other so that you're not able to do what you want. I want to ask you, how do you know? How do you really know where you're at in this, in this battle? Well, how do you know if you're really in the realm of the flesh or if you're in the realm of the spirit? And I want you to, I, I believe there is a way for you to know. And I want you to think about this for a second, because I think that the desires that we consistently feel tell us where we're consistently investing. The desires that we consistently have to deal with is evidence of where our investment is consistently being put. So if we're consistently dealing with desires that are not really from the spirit, but are from the, our old fleshly nature, then friend, that's the bank you've been investing in and you're reaping it. 
And the more you keep investing there, the more you're gonna be dealing with things that you don't wanna be dealing with. I mean, this is not the life we wanna live. We left that life to meet Jesus for a reason, right? That life was killing us. But friends, we're not always investing in the right place. So what's the consistent desire of your heart? What is the consistent thing that you just know it keeps growing in there? Is it greed? Is it lust? Is it, is it anxiety and jealousy? Is it, is it, is it you know, uh, all these things that just you look at and you say, oh, Lord, that isn't consistent with the life that Jesus has died to give to me. That's not consistent with the life that Jesus gave up everything to bring to me. That's a powerful thing. He says this in, in the next verse. He says this, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You'll always harvest what you plant. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit will from the spirit reap everlasting life or eternal life. So here's a question. What's growing in your garden? Truly, what's, what's, what's on the dinner menu <laughs> in your life? Because it's grown in your backyard garden. What's been, what's been the consistent investment of your time and your attention? I want to end today and I want to end with some real powerful, practical things for you to think about today. I want to talk to you about making some good investments this week. Romans chapter 13, here's what Paul says at the end of his letter, near the end. He says, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness. That's another term for this realm of the flesh. And put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as, as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. But look at this, guys. But rather, clothe yourself in the Lord Jesus Christ. Clothe yourself in the Lord Jesus. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of that old realm that you used to belong to. Remember Jesus breathed his life into you? Can you imagine how intimate that metaphor is of literally being clothed in Jesus? Literally just like, Jesus, clothe me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave my house, <laughs> hopefully with some clothes on, <laughs> right? What if that's how we really looked at it though? Like before I leave this house, I wanna be clothed in Jesus. How do I do that? I spend time in his word. And when I spend time in his word, I'm not checking a box, guys. I'm literally like, Jesus, I wanna meet with you. Like literally. The Holy Spirit poured his love into my heart. So when I meet with Jesus, I literally am like, God, I just, I don't want to leave this moment until I know that I've really, really looked at you and really said, Jesus, today I'm keeping in step with the Spirit, right? Today I'm walking in the realm of the Spirit. I am not going to walk in the realm. And when that flesh starts to shoot arrows at me or the weeds, I'm getting the flamethrower out, brother. I'm going to burn that stuff because that is not what I'm feeding anymore. I'm starving that. Guys, freedom is found in feeding the right things. 
I know you've heard this sermon before. I had no illusions you'd never heard this before, but we need to hear it again because some of us aren't doing it. So I'm gonna keep preaching it until we start doing it. You guys with me? This is important. Guys, freedom is found in feeding the right things. Freedom is found in, in, in revealing what you're struggling with with a trusted friend and not hiding it. Freedom is found in not letting yourself become embarrassed about what your flesh is doing. Guys, let's stop judging one another about what people, our flesh is. That is our flesh. It is capable of crazy stuff, right? Are we surprised? No, but here's what we have. The power of the spirit to destroy the works of the flesh. We don't have to live in that bondage anymore. Guys, we have to have relationships in this church where you are able to share transparently with your brothers and your sisters, your spouse. If you have a, a, a Christian marriage, you can do that with your spouse, hopefully. But you're able to just to be very, very transparent with people about what's going on. Because the enemy loves darkness. And what we do in the dark and what we keep in the dark stays strong and stays powerful. But when we bring it into the light, it loses its power. Whatever we reveal, God can heal. And so we have to stop concealing things away from the power of that flamethrower, bring it out to the light and let God heal it with all of that power and might that's available to us through Christ. Freedom is found in choosing the right things and feeding the right things. So how about you? Are you walking in freedom? Are you walking in that, in that freedom that's ours in Jesus? I wanna leave you with one final verse and then I'm gonna give you a chance to do some good investment right now. We're gonna start investing right here, okay? Um, but I want you to stand with me and I wanna read this verse for you. And it's in Romans chapter eight. And I want this just to breathe life into your, into your soul right now, because this is so powerful. You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. Look at that next one. This is it. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his sufferings. I know this is not an easy life following Jesus. It's a life of self-denial. It's a life of suffering in some ways because you give up what you want and you put on the cross and you follow Jesus and you, and you say, God, not my will, but your will be done. And I know that's hard, guys. I know that's hard. But we are not alone in this, children of God. We have been adopted by God himself and he has given us his spirit to help us on this journey. So right where you are, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, wherever you are in those diagrams, I want you to be blessed this morning. I want you to know that you're adopted, you're loved, you're chosen, you're received. If you've never trusted Jesus, I wanna to talk to you right now, right where you stand. I wanna call out to you and I wanna tell you God loves you. He doesn't have anger toward you. 
He doesn't want to judge you. He, he knows everything you've done. And instead of all those things to help, to be held against you, he placed them on his own son, Jesus, and took that away by Jesus being killed on our behalf, taking on himself on the cross, all that we deserved. And instead of what we deserve, Jesus, in his love for us, went to the cross as our lamb, as our substitute, and took away the sin so that we could stand in God's presence and be adopted fully into the family of God by the spirit of Jesus. Right where you are, you can cry out and say, Jesus, save me. I wanna trust in you right now. I wanna receive you as my savior. I trust that you died for me and that you rose from the dead. I give you my life.